Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Challenging, thought-provoking, insightful. This is God in Country, the collision of faith and politics. Hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical Rev. Dr. Sean is a proud military veteran, former law enforcement officer, and founder of the internationally regarded executive protection team. Through counseling, elite life coaching, and national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This series is biblically and politically engaged with the pedal to the metal. With today's edition of God in Country, here is host and author of the acclaimed yet controversial book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America. Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We'd like you to welcome you to the uh, very uh, calm and sweet and kind place for uh, people all across the country who are very concerned about our country and uh, would not like to have any, um, well, uh, any disagreement except for disagreement with what we want. Um, so we'd like to thank all of you for joining us, uh, everyone. Uh, chat is open, yes. Yes, chat is open. And we want to be a safe, uh, safe, safe space um, for safe space sissies, hashtag safe space sissies trending on uh, at the Ninja Pastor on Twitter or Facebook. Um, we just come here and just talk about things. We don't cry about anything. Uh, we're just... We're just peaceful and kind, really easygoing. This is who we are. We we don't believe in disagreement unless we disagree with you. Um, but then you're stupid. Uh, now, yeah, we've never had a job or anything. Um, I don't want a safety pin. I think pins, they have sharp edges to them. And I'm afraid that they're going to poke me. So... Uh, I think that maybe we should think about that a little, little more. I don't think that we should maybe be so judgy. Uh, by the way, I don't like that. What that ninja pastor guy says. By the way, pastor, he's forcing his religion. Have we ever heard of separation of radio and church and and state and radio and church? That's what I'd like to know. This is what I'd like to know. So. Anyway, I'm just uh, I'm just here. We're just a peaceful bunch of folks. I mean, I mean, unless of course you do something different than what we like, and then we're going to we're going to go riot. I mean, we don't call it riot. We call it um, what do we call it? 
uh, what do we call it? What do we call this? What do we call this? What we do? Um, yes, I believe instead of uh, our chat is open. We have very smart people there, although they seem very hater. Separation of face and radio, according to Jerry from Pennsylvania. So, yeah, so a lot of people are asking what is, um, uh, some people call it uh, protest, uh, peaceful protest. Some people call it tantrum, um, demonstration. I don't see that they ever demonstrate anything, by the way. I never see anything demonstrated like a Vitamix or, or how to take down a weapon. Um, if you're into such things, I don't, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not into those things. Those are, those are angry things, and I don't. I'm not. That's not. We don't do that here. A bunch of crybabies. Demonstration. Listen, if you should join our chat, that's just a very, very good place. People are very nice there. So, so what is today's show about? I guess you guessed. Um, compromise, right? So let's see what we're going to compromise on. In the name of unity and compromise, this is Ninja Pastor, by the way, Reverend Dr. Sean M. Greener. I'm here. Follow me at the Ninja Pastor on Twitter. Follow me on Facebook. Uh, God and Country Radio Show. Follow me on the regular one, uh, Sean Michael Greener. Follow me on uh, Instagram if you like photographs, the Ninja Pastor. And I'm also on LinkedIn. So do all that. If you like what we do and uh, you want to help support it, donate button on theninjapastor.com or drshawngreener.com. That's D-R-S-H-A-W-N-G-R-E-E-N-E-R.com. That's what we be about. It's what we be about. So you can learn all about um, what we do here, and that will be pretty cool. We love that. So in the name of unity and compromise, you see, we keep hearing this, unity and compromise. All of a sudden, the left lost, the left lost, and now they want to unify and compromise. Now, I don't know if you know, a lot of similarities between the left and Islam, just so you know. We'll touch on those in just a few. So here, I'm going to, today, I'm going to talk about my list of areas of potential compromise. The left asked for it. I'm, you didn't ask for it, I mean, but I'm just going to tell you. The left, the left asked for it. Well, they're demanding it. They don't ask. They demand it. But what is the it that they want? What's the it that they want? Hashtag uh, election 2016. These, these uh, interactions I've had with hashtag safe space sissies. By the way, trending on Twitter. You're welcome. Well, all of my interactions with these hashtags safe space sissies They've led me to be willing to possibly compromise a few years. But what could these areas be? What do the leftists want? Why are they rioting? Well, I get serious here for a second. Isaiah 5, 20 through 23 in the ESV, English Standard Version. I'm actually going to get to uh, Jerry from Pennsylvania in chat. By the way, join our chat. We're open there. What do you think about Cruz for Attorney General? I, I have a lot of thoughts on that. I'll definitely talk about that. Thanks for bringing that up. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and shrewd in their own sight, who acquit the guilty for a bribe and deprive the innocent of his right. Now, let me say this. Let me say this. 
uh, I, most of you who know me and know my path to becoming a speaker and a preacher um, are, it was, it was a rough path. And most of you who know, a big part of that path was uh, Reverend Dr. Billy Graham and uh, all of the things that, that he, just amazing things that he did. I mean, you, you look at what he accomplished and you, you have to be, you have to just be amazed at it. Well, one of the key, if you've ever, if you've ever walked, uh, if you've ever watched on television or walked up to a, a Billy, Jam, Billy Graham Evangelistic Association crusade, you know it's a big deal. And I've worked with them behind the scenes for little things and nothing important. I didn't do anything important, but man, you, you really have to admire what they do. Uh, but one of the key people is uh, in Billy Graham, uh, Reverend Dr. Billy Graham, uh, the Evangelistic Association is the music director. Uh, and the music director's name is Cliff Barrows. And he passed away at 93. God bless him and God bless his family. Now, Barrows regularly led thousands of voices and choirs at Billy Graham Crusades around the world, according to his biography on the uh, Billy Graham Evangelistic Association website. He and soloist George Beverly Shea, who died uh, in 2013, we honored him uh, on the show. They were the core worship team, and they helped set the stage for Billy Graham's preaching. I mean, he really teed it up for him. It's quite amazing. The Christian faith is a singing faith, and a good way to express it and share it with others is, is, in, is in community singing. Singing. Cliff Barrows was one of the closest friends my wife Ruth and I ever had, along with his wife Billy and Grady Wilson and George Beverly Shea. Our original team was just like a family. We traveled and we worked together, Graham said in a statement on a memorial page on the BGA. By the way, he's 95 or 96, I think. Cliff and I were together more than 60 years, and in all that time, we never had an argument. We had a few disagreements, but I can't even remember those. It's been a wonderful fellowship in our whole organization. There wouldn't be a Billy Graham Evangelistic Association in the way it is today without him. He was used of the Lord more than anyone else to keep us together with his strength, energy, devotion, and love for the Lord. But most, most folks probably don't know this, but uh, Mr. Cliff Barrows, again deceased today, um, first met Billy Graham in 1945 at a Youth for Christ event near Asheville, North Carolina. I don't know how many of you have ever been to that, but it's a really powerful experience. Really, really something. So then, you know, he met them. He took over a lead role in the programming and leading of music at the Crusades. In his later years, he stayed involved with the ministry, hosting the Hour of Decision radio program for nearly 60 years. Who does anything for 60 years? And he's also been a board member of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. He died Tuesday, by the way. I, I spoke uh, incorrectly. He died Tuesday of complications associated with old age, his son Bill Barrows told YWFF News. Uh, North Carolina Congressman Robert Pittenger released a uh, statement in response to Barrows' passing. Cliff Barrows is now singing praises in heaven. Cliff's warm demeanor was always an important part of communicating God's love through television, one-on-one, -on -one. and in massive stadiums. No doubt he will meet tens of thousands of believers in heaven who came forward as he led the crusade crier, choir in Just As I Am, Pittenger said. 
He was inducted into the Nashville Gospel Music Hall of Fame in 1988 for significant contributions to gospel music and into the Religious Broadcasting Hall of Fame in 1996. Billy Graham wrote that the secret, uh, the secret to Pharaoh's impact was more than talent. It is his humility and willingness to be a servant, which sprang from his devotional life and his daily walk with Christ. The funeral service will be held Tuesday, November 22nd um, at 10.30 a.m. at Calvary Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. <clears throat> so, yeah, man, man, the great ones, the great ones. You look at you look at the example. Uh, you look at the example that they've set, and you you have to think. You have to you have to look at it and say, "Wow, how could we ever measure up to that?" But I'm sad to say that today's today's. Uh, I, I don't I don't know that today really even wants to measure up to that. I, I don't think it's a goal of them. I just, I don't know. And I struggle with it. I, I struggle with it. I, I look around and I, I look at this and, you know, I'll tell you the truth. I look at this, um, this election and the aftermath of it, and I have to wonder. I just have to wonder. I have to wonder what in the world. What are we doing now? What are, you know, we we've got we've got people. Uh, I I can remember. You know what's funny? I can remember being in the military with a guy, uh, a bunch of guys, and but one guy in particular uh, reminded me of my uncle Charles. Now my uncle Charles, he joined World War II. I think he was too young. He had to lie about his age back then. You could do that because he wanted to go fight. He wanted to go fight. He, he, you know, we got in it to fight. Almost all my uncles, except for one, went. And, you know, so many people that I have the, uh, I really have the, the great honor to speak to on a regular World War II. I, had, I gave a speech uh, last week in the state of Delaware, and I was honored to have a Korean War veteran there and a um, World War II veteran there. It was really, really quite something. And But these are young, young people. They weren't forced into it. They weren't looking at their draft card going, gee, I don't know. I hope I get a high number. And then I look at the youth of today and I ask myself, you know, what, what do we have going on here? You know, what happened to, to, first of all, males? True men. True men. What happened to men? Where did all the men go? And then and the reason I ask that is because men, males, I should say, if we can say gender now without people getting all Twitter-pated and having to run to their safe space, we don't have any men. We don't, we, we, I see men standing beside their car 
and their family's all standing beside the car and they're just standing there with their hand under their chin. And I think to myself, what the heck, man? What, what is the deal? Because honestly, I, I don't understand it. I don't understand how we get people like this. Where do these people come from? How, how, did we, how did we do this? How did we manage to raise a bunch of people who were overly sensitive trained? You know, they're real good at being overly sensitive, but they're not real good at, at handling their business. So I see men, full-grown men, standing by in their skinny jeans that are too short, by the way. But what is? why all of a sudden are jeans too short or pants too What is it with that? That just looks nothing but effeminate. They're holding their cell phone, and they're very upset. They've called a tow truck to change their tire. Unreal. So there's this thing, uh, and it, you know, maybe you have it. I don't know. Are you suffering from Trump acceptance resistance disorder or TARD? Trump acceptance resistance disorder is a pattern of psychologically disassociative and psychotic behavior first observed in the late hours of November 8th, November 8th, 2016, and increasing in severity with passing time. Somebody wants to call in. Folks, uh, I've sent you a private message asking for your name and your town and what you want to talk about. So nobody gets on the radio on this channel anymore with all the hate mailing. By the way, we're up over, we're almost to 28,000 uh, emails a week. So anyway, and I get a lot of hate mail. So I have to be careful about who I put on the radio because I don't have a pre-screener. Anyhow, so it, it, it was observed first in the late hours of November 8th, this TARD, Trump Acceptance Resistance Disorder, and uh, November 8th, 2016. And, and, then, and then every day after that, it just gets, it's getting worse. It's getting worse. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And I have to ask myself, I, I really have to ask myself, I, I look around, you know, the sufferers, you know, that you, you know, you've seen it, you've all seen it. Sufferers of Trump acceptance resistance disorder often exhibit pronounced cognitive dissonance, sudden bouts of rage, uncontrollable crying, suicidal ideation, and extreme sadness. Do you have any of those? You might have tarred sufferers of Trump acceptance resistance disorder. Yeah, this is what they have. And if you have this, you might have it. I'm no doctor. I mean, I am a doctor, but I'm not that kind of doctor. Um, cognitive, pronounced cognitive dissonance, sudden bouts of rage, uncontrollable crying, suicidal ideation, and extreme sadness. Well, if you have those, you just might have those. I don't know. So signs and symptoms, we'll just go through it. Maybe if you have it, I can help you. I'm all about helping people. I, I want to help people. You know, we want everyone to be served here. People with Trump acceptance resistance disorder are characterized by a persistent unwillingness to accept that Donald Trump is going to make America great again. 
You just don't want to accept it. I understand. I, I get it. Hey, man, I, I don't want to tell you. I get it, man. That's hard to accept. Individual sufferers, individual sufferers often display signs of paranoia and delusion. In by the way, delusion sounds like Andalusian, and the Andalusian is my favorite kind of horse from Andalusia. Beautiful, black, amazing, shiny horse. But this show is not about horses, so we're gonna we're gonna move on. So they suffer from, uh, they, they display signs of paranoia and delusion. In acute cases, psychotic episodes have been observed. Trump acceptance resistance disorder is different than being upset about the results of the 2016 presidential election. People with TARD are unwilling or unable to accept reality, despite irrefutable evidence. According to the DSM, V, individuals with TARD exhibit most or all of the following symptoms, telling others they're moving to Canada. So we have a lot of, we have a lot of stars who they, they have said they're moving to Canada. Now, I don't know why they always choose Canada. Why don't they choose Iraq or Afghanistan or Syria? Apparently, we need, um, apparently, somehow or another, we need, uh, let's see here. I, I don't think Canada needs to be to be real frank with you. I don't think Canada needs um, more actors and actresses. I don't think they need it. I don't think they're sitting around going, you know what? We really want we want more leftist activists. That would be great. <laughs> but telling others that they're going to other people. I mean, on TV or whatever, and. Um, I'm moving to Canada. I'm just moving to Canada. It's never, why not Mexico? Why not? I don't know. I'm moving to Germany. That's it. I'm 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 in Germany now. How about Africa? We have a caller calling from Africa. What part of Africa? If you could type that in. Um, you know, Africa, why not? Why not move to Africa? Why is it with the Canada all the time? I don't know. I I don't know the answer. Canada only needs so many art history or uh, African American studies of the gay West, music of LGBT movies played on logo. I I don't know. I don't. I think they have enough. I think they have enough of that. Steve from Ohio says, "You mean librarians." Not enough librarians. Oh, here we go. Here's another one. They're fixing. See, this is important to get this diagnosis right. We can't mess around and get this diagnosis wrong. We've got to be correct. My buddy uh, Philly Bob says we could sit them down with a war hero for a little chat since they have it so bad. Well, here's some other stuff. I mean, you know, you got to look for this. You got you need people to be healthy. And safe and you know you want them to be well right 
So they fixated, this is another symptom, they fixated on fantasies about the Electoral College, um, ecstasy to be used in Canadian study. By the way, in the post, they're, they're going to use this, ecstasy. In, uh, they're going to use this to treat post-traumatic stress disorder. Literally, this is the real thing. Um, so maybe they can help them. I don't know. I don't recommend ecstasy. I don't even know what it is. So fear of tyranny is, is now treated as a psychiatric disorder in the West. Protesting an election with no credible source. They contest the outcome. They exclaim someone should do something. Try to get these people to a um, Center for Self-Governance class so we can teach them what is actual and what is true. And good luck. No thanks. Not going to happen. What should we look for? What else? Come on. It can't be just that. Acute change in demeanor from pompous and arrogant to fearful and combative. Right? They're really, really pompous and they're really, really arrogant. You know how the left is. Uh, they're, they're so smart. They're smarter than everybody. Of course they're smarter than everybody. Of course they are. They're smarter than everybody. They're always the smartest people in the room. You know that. And they were pompous and arrogant until the wee hours of November 8, 2016. Then all of a sudden they made this big change. It's a cute change from fearful to from pompous and arrogant to fearful and combative. You know what else? They claim that anybody that disagrees with them with some combination. Now, this is a combination. You got to look for this. Some combination of racist, sexist, bigoted, homophobic, and actually some sort of Hitler persona. And this I don't understand. I don't understand. When they don't like somebody, they always want to call them Hitler, right? We're going to talk about the LGBT crowd. We're going to talk about the Black Lives Matter crowd. We're going to talk about all these things that they want. But they're always telling us that, you know, somehow or another that it's it's all, it's a Hitler. You know, this is Hitler. They're always saying that. I don't know why. People listening to us from South Africa today. Isn't that cool? I'm told, now I don't know if this is true, that we went over 900,000 last week. I don't know why 900,000 people would ever listen. If only you would only, each of you would only give a quarter, a redola under the donate page. I would be able to actually do this for a living. Or at least not bleed out all my money. By the way, I joked a little bit about the ecstasy being treating uh, treating um, PTSD. Um, you know, uh, soldiers are actually there's studies right now, but the most successful thing for PTSD, not for nothing, is uh, cannabis. By the way, very, 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 very successful. Very successful. Very, very successful. Anyway. So we want to look at the causes and mechanisms. We don't mess around. You know, this is a serious thing. Trump acceptance resistance disorder was directly caused by the election of Donald Trump as president of the United States of America. Now, for many, both in America and worldwide, this was a shocking and unexpected outcome. Why? Why, why was everybody so shocked? Well, the people that suffer from this, their, their preferred news sources, obviously having failed to inform them that alternative candidate, I, you know, I have, I, I hate to say this. I do hate to say this. I'm struggling with it. 
I'm struggling with it, but I'm going to say it anyway. Why not? Um, well, I'll just say it. Why not? This chick was so in such ill health or drunk. I don't know which. Let's see if you can guess which one. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm, this is vague. But the candidate that they wanted, the one that they wanted, that they were with, you know, they were with her. She was such a criminal parasite in such bad health. She got chucked in the back of a van like a kidnapped victim. Now, there's research going on now. This is a fairly new thing. But TARD appears to correlate closely with the following environmentally. And, you know, we observe these environmentally and behavioral factors. So these are environmental and behavioral. I don't know if this helps you. I, I want it to help you, but I, I don't know. I don't know. This may help you, though, because you, you we care. And we care and we want, we need to help these people because we're benevolent. Members, this is the environmental and behavioral fact. These are just, I don't know if you're writing these down. This could be a class. I don't know. Membership in the Democratic Party, identifying as a feminist. Wow. Um. Well, this is a tough one. I I don't know. I don't know. Identifying as a feminist, currently enrolled in college and or if they have a liberal arts college degree from a liberal arts college. Maybe they live in a densely populated metropolitan area. Maybe they have massive student debt. Maybe they have spotty or... Maybe non-existent work. Maybe they've never had a job. I don't know. Maybe they've never seen how much money leaves their check for the benefit of other people. I just don't know. Hipsterism. Hipsterism. You guys have heard of that, right? Hipster? You're such a hipster? I've never been called that. But here's the diagnosis of hipsterism. This is an important thing. Diagnosis of Trump acceptance resistance disorder is straightforward. You just, here's what you, this, look, I'm helping you. Look, you're not going to be a doctor, but you might be a doctor on television after this. So take this seriously. This could be really helpful. Here's what you do. I'm just trying to help. I'm trying to help all of society because I care about everybody. You ask the patient if Donald Trump is going to be the next president of the United States. Now, you, when you ask that, you have to step back a little bit because there could be some projectile vomiting or shaking or, or, or someone, you know, I don't know. I mean, these people, they exhibit a lot of different things. Now, now at this point, you want to step back because some patients will become agitated and they may attempt to deflect a little bit. Now it's crucial that you press them on this issue. Even if they start in the, look, if they start babbling on and prattling on and carping on about my triggers, oh man, my triggers, you hit my triggers. Well, you know, you just don't let that bother you. Just keep keep pushing forward. A sufferer of TARD, Trump acceptance resistance disorder, will begin to ramble incoherently. They're going to start saying stuff. It's not going to make any sense. They're going to they're going to say stuff's really fast, and they're going to probably yell it, and they'll be spitting. So you want to step back because we're not sure about you know their shots if they've had all their shots, and so they're going to be spitting a lot of you know stuff. And you want to stay back. You don't want to get that unless you have a mask and gloves. In which case, they're going to cry because they're going to say, "Hey, you're singling me out. Why are you doing this to me? That ain't right." Um, 
you know, they're going to ramble. They're going to ramble and that's going to scare you. And they're going to say things that lead you down the path where you're going to see three or four more of the symptoms and they're going to appear really fast. So what's the treatment? We don't want to be hopeless. Come on. So the treatment, this is the only known treatment um, at this point. And, and no offense, I, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but this is what's important. Um, and, and I know that you'll understand this. You guys are compassionate people. You really are uh, something special. You're caring people. And I'm just proud of you, my audience. I am, each and every one of you. Here's, you ready? This is, I'm here to help you. I'm here to help you any way that I can. The only known effective treatment is exposure therapy, right? So the patient must be repeatedly exposed to reality and they should wear a Make America Great Again hat or, or change that hat right in there making America now that, that Donald Trump has been elected the president, right? Make them wear the hat as long as they're able to tolerate it, which might, honestly, it might not be long. They're very sensitive people. Very sensitive people. Yes, they're very sensitive. My goodness, you got to watch what you say, watch what you do. But here's what you do. You talk to them about President Trump and, and each exposure to this hat. It should increase in length. And after about a week, the patient should be encouraged to be seen in public wearing the Make America Great Again hat. Right? So that's what you do. You just, you know, you start small. We work small. We work up to it. We keep going. This is important. Very important, very, very important. So then what do we do? We coach the patient to refer to Donald Trump as president-elect Trump, not as racist, misogynistic pig, Nazi, God bless, not Hitler. Good Lance, that one's so easy. They go to that one. You ask some of these people, uh, well, who is Hitler, you know? Uh, and, and you have to laugh because they're calling him Hitler, but they don't even know who Hitler was. They don't even know what Hitler did. but they call him Hitler and it just cracks me up. So uh, just so you know, there are some specifics here. Uh, patients with TARD are very resistant. Look, this is a tough thing. This is uh, very resistant to treatment. They're, they're very dangerous in large groups. You gotta be careful. Very important. Any possibility of treatment requires that they be separated from their hive mind support apparatus. They cannot begin the process of accepting reality in the presence of encouragement towards delusion and irrationality. We know this. Separation, look, it, I'm just going to tell you, it may require the assistance of law enforcement. They may have to come very gently, throw them to the ground as they're spitting and whatever, and put them in the flex cuffs, maybe spray them with an irritant a little bit. Maybe they could utilize a uh, contact device uh, upon the ganoggin of their, their head. I don't know. I mean, this could be. And look, if you have a friend or a loved one, they're suffering from TARD, you urge them to seek treatment. Together, we can beat this scourge and make America great again. Right? That's from Disclosed TV News. It's hilarious. That's very, very funny. So we've seen a lot of people running around and they've been talking smack about, um, you know, I, we're just going to assassinate Trump. Well, let's hear just let's hear one in particular. Now, this is an Ohio guy. He's upset about it turning winter in September. 
and then it'd be winter, winter until about July, at which time it'll be 9,000 degrees, super humid. I don't know how that happens, but it'll rain. So this 24-year-old guy from Ohio, he's been charged in federal court after tweeting a threat to assassinate President-elect Donald Trump on election night. Now, let me let me also say there have been many others who have come out publicly, including a few, um, including a few uh, folks who they're CEOs of companies. They're they're CEOs of of actual companies. They're this is what they do. They're CEOs of real companies, big companies, PepsiCo. Uh, she didn't threaten to, to kill him, but um, that I know of, but but many of them have been major people. Oh, I was just kidding. I was just kidding. I was just thinking around. I was just kidding. No, I kidding. This is my tarred goblin. Made me say it. Trump became the president. And then the Trump goblin comes in and crushes on them, and they're like, kill the president. But he's the president-elect, and threatening to kill him is just like threatening to kill Barack Obama, just so you know. So Zachary Benson, this is the guy from Fairview Park in Cleveland, Ohio, he posted the remark on Twitter a few minutes before the Republican nominee was declared the winner of last week's election. Now, seven minutes before, uh, seven minutes before uh, it was called for Trump, I called it. Now, I've been reminded that I am not the caller of elections. I don't, that has not been foisted upon me, right? Ooh, Sean Gruner, let's wait and see what he says. Dr. Sean, Reverend Dr. Sean, the news pastor, what does he say? Who, who cares what ABC and AP and uh, CNN and Fox say? What does Sean Gruner say? Does he call it? Yes, he calls it. Okay, that's it. He's the president. That's not how it works, but I did, Go out on a limb and say, look, I'm calling this one for President-elect Trump. I'm calling this one for him, and I'm, I'm, I'm on it. But this guy, Zachary Benson, you know, he wasn't tweeting stuff like me. He was tweeting, you ready? I'm just reading this. So, and I know I have a lot of people from certain alphabet agencies that listen to the show. I do, I knew that. Uh, not today. By the way, if you're hanging on, uh, I don't think I will get, I have so much material. We'll get to it. Type in this. I'm going to type again if you're going to read it out loud. I'm kind of stupid. So, so is that, uh, look, I'm just reading what he wrote. I'm quoting this, by the way. I'm quoting this. Zachary Benson from Fairview Park. Cleveland. This is what he posted. I'm quoting him. This is what Benson tweeted. You know, my life goal is to assassinate Trump. And I don't care if I serve infinite sentences. The man deserves to cease existing. Now he wrote decease existing. D-E-C-E-A-S-E existing. I don't know what he was saying, but apparently it was bad. Now, seconds earlier, he tweeted this. The, you ready? I'm not going to say the word. It's the F word. The Diplomacy, effing fools. I hate you all. I want to bomb every one of your voting booths and your general areas. Now, can I just, can I just, it's hard to say without, I think he has tarred. Look, I'm a doctor. I have a couple doctor degrees, but I'm not a medical doctor. And I'm certainly not a psychiatrist. 
but I think the guy probably has tarred. It seems to me as though he does. Yeah, I think he does. Yeah, says he wants to, he hates us all. He hates even me. He wants to bomb every one of the voting booths in your general areas. Nice of him to specify. So Benson from Ohio, just outside of Cleveland, you know, he was arrested a few hours later after he after he did that. Yeah, did you catch that? Does everybody catch that? A few hours after he tweeted, the Secret Service is knock, knock, knock on his house and says, uh, Mr. Benson, we need to have a conversation. Yes, these are handcuffs. And yes, you are absolutely, you are absolutely going to wear them. <laughs> Folks, you know, I'm going to be real honest with you here. And I'm not advocating violence. Of course not. It's not what I do. But this guy needs to get thumped. He needs to get tuned up. Upside his cranium. He's out of his mind. Look, it, it, the left loves to say, well, you know, in Barack Hussein Obama, when he was voted into the office by popular vote and also the Electrical College, you know, the Electrical College is wrong. But the popular vote, you know, almost everybody voted for him. 46% more people than exist in Philadelphia voted for him. But, hey, you know, it's just what it's about. Well, you guys threatened Barack Hussein Obama. You threatened him. You threatened him. You didn't like his family because they're black. You didn't threaten you. Didn't, you threatened him. Every those threats were going all over because he's black. So you're threatening him from Chicago. He's a black guy from Chicago. Now, nah, right, you bunch of racists, Hitler. <laughs> Did you hear about a lot of that stuff? Because I didn't hear about a lot of that stuff. I didn't hear about any of it. Did you hear about all the riots after twice Barack Hussein Obama was elected? We knew there was massive voter fraud. Did you did you hear about that? Did you hear about all the conservative riots? Yeah, we didn't have any. The riots you never saw. Oh, by the way, did you guys know that this is breaking news? This is breaking. You ready for this? Hang on now. Don't give up on me. Did you know that President-elect Donald J. Trump and his family, they all went to dinner in New York City without toting the press? Did you know this? Look, I know you're furious. I know. I know. I know. I'll give you a moment. Just take a few deep breaths. I know your reaction is obviously completely justified. I mean, how dare this madman simply go to the 21 Club and order a steak? Who does he think he is? By the way, he had a steak. He had a good steak. And oh, by the way, when he got there, guess what? In a largely liberal crowd, guess what happened? Guess what happened? They all stood and they gave him a rousing several minute standing ovation. But somehow or another, the press, somehow or another, the press just, they were, well, the president, look, he's not, he's not transparent. He's not transparent. See, this, 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 this is evidence. This is clearly he's not transparent. <laughs> he's not transparent. 
Well, you would know what not transparent is if you've been following Barack Hussein Obama and Hillary Rodham Clinton. Where is she, by the way, in treatment? So, so we see this picture on uh, the, the uh, Clinton News Network or the Communist News Network, whatever you want to call it. Um, and they, they announced that, you know, uh, Clinton will not speak tonight, right? So what they're announcing is, is that uh, Podesta, John Podesta, in the wee hours of the morning, he's going to go and he's going to just give a quick speech, right? And he says, listen, she great. She's so awesome. She's so wonderful. She fought so hard and the fight's not over. You know, it's too close. There's too much still to be counted. We want every vote to count. So we're not going to, this thing's too close to call. Meanwhile, as he's there jabbering on with this weirdo crying bunch of whack jobs, as he's there doing that, what's happening? Hillary Rotten Clinton, she, what she's doing is she is calling to concede. She's calling to concede at the same time. You guys understand that, right? At the same time, you know, he's gone and he's saying, you know, well, the fight's not over, blah, blah, blah. So, and I, I believe my buddy Dave and my buddy Jerry from Pennsylvania and, and several others, they believe that she was intoxicated. You know, they believe that she was too intoxicated to, to do anything. You guys know she has an issue with alcohol, right? You guys all know that. Well, what I think is interesting, and there's a meme that's been put out by Murican, NLY, Murican only, uh, and they put a meme out which I love, which has the picture of the, the Chiron going across on uh, CNN and saying Clinton will not speak tonight. Now, that's not the first time Clinton ignored something important at 3 a.m. So this is the person that doesn't have the decency. She doesn't have the decency, my friends. Somehow or another, she doesn't have the decency to go address her supporters. I mean, these crazy people. So anyway, there's an article written by Daniel J. Flynn. And um, it's a pretty good article, very brief. Hillary melted down and could not address her supporters on election night. The mystery of Hillary Clinton milk carton missing on election night appears solved. A Tuesday of catharsis for Donald Trump voters turned into an evening of rage for Hillary Clinton. The Democrat presidential nominee. By the way, can we address this? It's not the Democratic Party. It's the Democrat Party. Okay? It's not the Republicanic Party. It's the Republican Party. It, it is what it is. It, it's incorrect to call them Democratic. We're not a Democratic country either. We're a a republic, we're a constitutional republic. 
So, but he says Democratic, the Democratic presidential nominee, anticipating the post-election reaction of many of her supporters, began shouting profanities, banging tables, turning objects not nailed down into projectiles. Sources have told the American Spectator that on Tuesday night, after Hillary realized she had lost, she went into a rage. R. Emmett Tyrell reports. Secret Service officers told at least one source that she began screaming and yelling, obscenities, pounding on furniture. She picked up objects and threw them at attendants and staff. She was in an uncontrollable rage. The appearance of campaign chairman John Podesta at Manhattan's Javits Center and the dematerialization of his heretofore ubiquitous charge perplexed in the first hours of Wednesday. They're still counting votes and every vote should count, Podesta declared to a sad and stunned hall. Several states are too close to call, so we're not going to have anything more to say tonight. And he told everybody to go home. Now, he meant to say, the reason why people stayed, they misunderstood because he said go home, but he should have said go back to your mom's house, right? Because that's where they live. Um, but he didn't. He said go home and they just stood around. So that wasn't good. And eventually, you know, the, the people at Javits Center had to kick them out because there was another event the next day that all night long they were going to be working to tear down her little party deal. Um, and so you got to get out. So they even had some some people locked up. They wouldn't leave. It was like a sanctuary, not that they believe in God or anything. So as Podesta recalcitrantly refused to recognize reality early Wednesday morning, Hillary Clinton called. This is at the same time Hillary Clinton called Donald Trump to offer congratulations. Now, the juxtaposition of the campaign chairman publicly vowing to fight around the time the candidate privately conceded the election left observers scratching their heads. Well, it did more than, yeah, good thing she canceled the fireworks, Jerry. Um, it leaves me more to scratch my head. I think I think the woman's crazy. She's, she's, she's straight up crazy. She can sound not crazy for a little while, but she can't sound not crazy for terribly long. This is not something that she can do. I mean, this is not something that she can do. She can't. She can't stand this. This is. She can't stand it. Terrell's reporting indicates that Mrs. Clinton's mental state made it impossible for her to address her supporters on election night as customs request. A custom requests. So instead, Podesta gave a rah-rah speech on a boohoo night to cover for the absence of the first woman president, her fireworks, and her victory speech shout-outs to the mothers of Black Lives Matter martyrs. She's not done yet, Podesta claimed. Terrell's reporting indicates that indeed Clinton remained far from done. Her aides could not allow her to come out in public, he writes. It would have taken her hours to calm down. So Podesta went out and gave his aimless speech. I wish we could report on Bill's whereabouts, but we cannot because we don't know where he was. But Bill did appear the following day at Hillary's belated concession speech wearing a purple tie, but thankfully no purple marks on his face, suggesting experience dictated avoidance the prior evening. People say they're amazed Bill's marriage survived, Terrell noted to Breitbart. I'm amazed Bill survived his marriage. Terrell's reporting remains a thorn in the side of the Clintons more than two decades after the American Spectator published its Troopergate stories uh, detailing Bill Clinton's ex escapades told by his Arkansas security detail, stories that first referenced Paula Jones and pushed the president on the road to impeachment nearly 19 years after Hillary Clinton imagined a vast right-wing conspiracy out to get her husband. The cabal's charter member again relies on the accounts of Clinton's long-suffering security to unmask the public faces worn by the power couple now out of power. 
In the 90s, we published several pieces that documented her throwing lamps and books, Terrell tells Breitbart. This happened pretty often. She is such a foul mouth that the Arkansas State Troopers learned a thing or two from her. She has a foul mouth and a good throwing arm. Now, I've used this term that I coined election night, um, and it's been used all over the place now. Hashtag safe space sissies. They say they're afraid that Donald Trump, now that Donald Trump won, but, but they keep saying they're afraid, by the way. You're, I'm scared. I'm scared. And they act all afraid. Well, what are they afraid of? What are they afraid of? But I'm gonna, I want you to hear this. This is, to me, this is really, really good. Breaking news, by the way. This is more breaking news. This is where we, we really break the news here. Uh, this is a breaking news desk. Chicago Cubs are being forced to give up their World Series title. Cleveland Indian fans have rioted across the, rioted across the country in protest of the 2016 World Series. Despite knowing the rules of the game prior to playing, they were unhappy they lost and demanded the outcome be changed. They could be heard chanting, hashtag not our World Series champion all across America. Even though the Cubs won four games and the Indians only won three, since both teams scored 27 total runs throughout all seven games, they're being declared co-world champions. When questioned, Commissioner Manfred stated, we felt as though it was the right thing to do for the nation. What kind of example would Major League Baseball be setting if we expected the adults who play this game and their fans to gracefully accept defeat? Instead of creating a bigger divide between the Cubs and Indians, Major League Baseball is confident that the Cubs will gladly share their victory with the Indians. I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think it's the same. What do you think? So if you voted for Hillary and you're scared, right? Keep hearing this term, scared. I'm scared. I'm so scared. I'm so afraid. I'm so afraid. I'm so, I'm so scared. I don't know what to do. I'm so afraid. I'm so nervous. I'm so, I'm so, I'm so nervous. Which card? <laughs> I'm so nervous. Well, let me help you. If you voted for Hillary, you are scared. Now, why are you scared? I'm going to give you a good reason why you should be scared. Because the last five months, you've been a victim of the biggest propaganda scheme in United States history. Yeah. Mainstream media, they played you, pal. They spent nearly $10 billion creating a safe space, a pro-Hillary echo chamber on television, on Facebook, on Twitter, in your favorite newspaper. They rigged the polls with massive oversampling, completely censored trending news articles and pro-Trump hashtags from social media, paid tens of thousands of people to post pro-Hillary comments and pretend to be normal voters. I'd be, I'd, I wouldn't be afraid. I wouldn't be a scared. I would be angry. Even though, first of all, I think if you're, if you're a Hillary fan, still knowing all what we know about her and you're still going to cast a vote for her, I don't think you should be angry. I think you should be hospitalized. I think something seriously is wrong with you. I don't think you're well. Just saying, I'm not trying to hurt my feelings, but it's true. Mainstream media played you. They played you. They played all of us, right? Because there was a lot. Of, there were a lot of people that were freaking out. A lot of people were freaking out. They were like, "Oh my god! Oh my god! What's happening? Why did we? Why did we allow this guy Trump to run? He's a misogynist. He's a racist. Look what's happening! Look what's happening! He's getting trounced. 
They're kicking his butt. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? I don't know what we're going to do. Right? <laughs> Nine million Democrats didn't even show up to the poll. They rigged these polls. Every bit of it, they rigged the whole thing. Now, I, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. But guess what? The people that run Facebook and Twitter, massive less leftists, leftivists, and they they uh, are our friend from South Africa. He's hung, hung up since. I, I knew I wasn't going to get to that. I got too much stuff. Yeah, Steve from Ohio says sixty percent of the Oregon rioters didn't even vote. They're out there, you know, they're making fifteen hundred bucks a week. I don't even know why they're wasting their money. I'll tell you why they're wasting their money because we have a short memory. We give up really quickly. We feel sorry for these people. I don't say feel sorry for them. Stock up on on uh, on bear spray. Stock up on 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 uh, launched gas. Gas them. Turn the dogs loose. Not my Buckeye. I don't want around that gas, but plus she's sweet. But she doesn't like leftists. She does. I mean, she's nice to them, but she pities them. <laughs> oh, why? Why did only sixty? Why didn't sixty percent of Oregon voters, Oregon riders, vote? Well, because they're felons and they can't. Although, if they lived in Northern Virginia, they could vote. Right? Didn't stop them there. McAuliffe ought to be investigated. He ought to go to jail. They ought to go to jail. So they played you. They, they, the, 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 um, the media, and and we've really got to call Facebook what it is, because they were they they were uh, really manipulating your posts. They were manipulating. How many of you have had this happen? I, I know a bunch of you have. You know, uh, you post something. It's very pro-Trump. It's very anti-Hillary. You look, you look, you look, you can't find it. Where what happened? What happened? Many of you lost a lot of friends, not just because you defriended them or they defriended you, but they saw that you had a powerful algorithm being created here. And as you would post something, that person would post something, and then boom, it would spread out to their reach. This is this is reality. This is reality. We know this happened. We know it happened. We know that the Facebook people and the Twitter people were manipulating the algorithms so that pro-Trump things didn't appear and pro-Hillary things did appear. And we know that they paid thousands of people, paid them to post pro-Hillary comments and say they were normal. They were Twitter paid. Ha! They blatantly one-sided every source of news you've trusted and relied upon to be an informed citizen. Blatantly. They blatantly lied to you. They looked you right in your face. They looked you right in your face. And they said, yeah, we're with you. This is really what's happening. But see, you're not on the upper echelon of the left. You, you've never seen it. See, I have good friends. We have these conversations all the time. And, and I get asked all the time by my good friend. You know, hey, do you think they really believe this? And I say, yes, the lower the lower echelon ones, yes, they believe it. They're hardcore believers, man. They believe it. They believe all this crap. They do. They believe it. They believe they're believers. They 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 are on the team. They're on the squad. They're on the platoon. Well, I didn't know what a platoon was, but that's their squad, man. 
And they believe it. They believe they're fighting for justice. They don't think that Hillary Clinton's done anything wrong. They really do believe. They really do believe. I know it's hard to believe I have friends, but I do. I have one or two. They really do. This lower echelon group, they really do believe that it's a massive right-wing conspiracy. They believe it. They believe it. But then the further you go up the echelon, the more you see people that see the truth. And they're like, wow, I don't know what this is I'm looking at here. I don't know what I'm seeing. This doesn't look like, you know, they 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 watch, they read the WikiLeaks. They read the emails and they go, hmm. This is not adding up. I'm not feeling good about this. And then they start to kind of look at things and go, you know, I've been told something I don't think is necessarily true. And then they start to bail on it. They get a little experience. They look at their pay stub if they have a job. And they look at that and they go, you know, what's all this money? What's all this negative? What's a certain, what's it? What are these red numbers? What the heck, man? So now you, you, you leftists who are scared you relied upon all these news sources, CNN, MSNBC, all these others. You relied upon them, ABC, CBA, CBS, NBC, all of these. You, you relied on all of them. You, you loved them all. You said, hey, man, they're my peeps. I believe them. But they're not. They're leftists, but they're on the higher echelon. They're, they're the ones that are getting the, you know, every time you, you say you want climate change and all this other crap, you know, you believe all the crap, you don't realize they're getting paid. They're the ones, they rigged it. They rigged it. And you relied upon them to become an informed citizen. You said, hey, this is what I need to do. So when Trump won, you were blindsided. You had no clue, no clue they had as much support as he did. You were truly blindsided. Why? Because you were told, hey, man, this guy's going down. This guy didn't have a chance. But then as the as the numbers started coming, you were like, oh, my God, this has been fixed. This is something's wrong. Something's wrong here. I don't know what this is. Bah. Bah. The media, the media, they said he was evil. They said he was racist. They said he was sexist. Never been, never been called any of these things in 30 years of being the public guy. Never been called that. As soon as he runs for president against a Democrat, boom. They said he was a sexual predator, Hitler, Satan himself. They said he had less than a 1% chance of winning. You know, I mentioned this, uh, I think, on Sunday. Listen, if you want to hear something uplifting, listen to Sunday's message. It's only an hour. It's no commercials. Go to drshawngreener.com or theninjapastor.com and go to listen. Click on listen. It's all free. I don't charge for any of it. Stupid. I should, but I don't. If Donald Trump ran as a Democrat, guess what? He'd be the best thing since sliced bread. You people would be like, oh, my God, I can't believe Donald Trump. Yay, we're so lucky. We're so lucky. We're so lucky. So let's talk about that. This list of things that they're calling him racism. So, this, so the deal is that the safe space, hashtag safe space sissies are rioting because President-elect Donald Trump 
who was elected, by the way, you heard it here first, not first, like 800th. He was elected by both the Electoral College, or as I've heard some leftists say, the Electrical College, and the popular vote, both. He's elected by both of those. So let's just establish that, that as all the votes are coming in, we're realizing now, wait a second, he didn't do as bad as we thought. And, and, and now that it's been this way, even when it looked like there was maybe a little bit of difference between the popular and the electrical college, uh, you know, when, when Hillary had a slight lead there, oh, you know, still, there was no mention of getting rid of this electrical college. Man, let's not get rid of that. In the years past, we never talked about getting rid of the electrical college. No, not at all. We don't need to get rid of the electrical college. No, it's good. But now all of a sudden they get their butts kicked and they think that the popular vote went to Hillary and they're like, eh, no, that's not right. <laughs> so now they're screaming about it. But all of a sudden, you know, after 30 years of being in the public eye, never being called a racist, never being called bigoted, never homophobic, none of these things, misogynist. Did I mention racist, by the way? Because they love to say that 900 times. He's never been called Hitler, by the way. You know what I feel like doing? I feel like this one we do. We're doing a class. We're going to call this class Racism 101. And it's now in session. Now, this class is free unless you'd like to donate to the cause. Click on the donate button. It's PayPal. It's, by the way, PayPal run by a gay man, out, out and out gay man, who is a Trump supporter. PayPal. So super safe. If you want to donate there to what we do, it doesn't have to be a huge amount. It's only one time, you know, if you want. It's up to you. The Ninja Pastor, theninjapastor.com. Click on the donate button. So Trump is bad for America. Right? He's bad for America. But what do we see? We see who is shouting these things with all these signs. And so, many of the signs are so misspelled. I think, oh, I can't even read that. That hurts me to read that. Trump's bad for America, they're all screaming said the mob waving every flag but the American flag. So that brings us to civil rights racism, right? Civil rights racism. Democrats controlled everything but would not pass civil rights. Now, this is the history and the timeline of Democrat racism. This is a course here. This is a course. You, this is free. This is You don't pay for this, I don't think. I don't think you have to pay for this. If, if somebody's making you pay for it, ain't, I ain't getting the money. So after writing about MSNBC's talking heads comment about the, and I'm quoting, the niggerization of politics yesterday and watching the latest threats by the new Black Panther Party against the Republican National Convention, I thought it is time to update my posts on racism and the timeline of action and inaction. The following combines some of my previous posts and adds new sources. This is a long post just to skip to the timeline. Just skip to the timeline for a quicker read. The video below, racism and the Democrat Party is really well worth watching. Now, it's, I'm going to tell you who wrote this in a minute. In a discussion of civil rights in America, how often do you hear the name of Republican Senator Everett Dirksen? He was a Republican from Illinois. But you don't hear it often. But how often do you hear the name of Democrat Senator Robert Byrd in connection to civil rights? Not often, but for very different reasons, very different reasons. Dirksen was a champion for civil rights. Robert Byrd, not. He was not. But you do hear the name of Senator Strom Thurmond, practically spat from the mouth of those accusing Republicans for the plight of Negroes, I'm sorry, African-Americans, I'm sorry, Blacks, 
Which is it? Which do I say? I don't know which one. I don't know which one. I don't know what the title is now. Now I'm hearing about ecosexuals. Eco now it's not just LGBT. Q, it's it's now it's E or some kind of thing with a symbol. And then the people that want to have sex with the earth. You know, sex with people, I guess, but also with the earth at the same time. What the heck is wrong with these people? Right? So I don't know what to call, but it's it started as Negroes, then African Americans, and then and then blacks. I, I don't know. I'm guessing it's black. My friends that are black, they all tell me, now nah, I'm black, dude. Never been to Africa, and none of my people are from Africa, so I'm 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 American. I'm a black guy. But here's the thing: we hear all about people accusing Republicans for the plight of blacks. But Strom Thurmond, he was a Democrat in those days, and he was very active in trying to kill the Civil Rights Bill. It was later that Thurmond became a Republican. He wasn't a Republican when he did all this. Most people don't know this. An agenda can be identified by what is not being said. The names of Dwight Eisenhower, Richard Nixon, Everett Dirksen, and many of the Republicans who fought for and or voted for the Civil Rights Bill, they're never uttered. They never say those names. Neither is it mentioned that Republicans voted for the Civil Rights Bill in far greater percentages than did Democrats, or that Democrats had a sufficient majority to pass it without a single Republican vote. As president of the Senate, Nixon witnessed Democrat Senator Strom Thurmond. He was a Democrat then, remember this. President Nixon witnessed Democrat Senator Strom Thurmond and his single-man filibuster to prohibit black voting rights, a filibuster which went on for 24 hours and 18 minutes, straight on the Senate floor. Democrat Senator Robert Byrd, former Grand Wizard or Poobah of the KKK, he filibustered for 18 hours. Now, here's Dirksen's role. Dirksen, the guy you never hear about, he was the master key to victory for the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Without him and the Republican vote, the act would have been dead in the water for years to come. LG, LBG, LGBT, LBJ, Lyndon Baines Johnson, and Humphrey, who was, by the way, do some reading on LBJ. Terrible racist. Terrible racist. He hated black people. Well, Hubert Humphrey and LBJ, they knew that without Dirksen, the Civil Rights Act was going nowhere. Why did Lyndon Johnson and Hubert Humphrey, both Democrats, think that they had to have Dirksen? Simply because their own Democrat majority in both chambers would not carry the vote. The Senate had a final vote. I know this is boring, but this is real stuff. This is so real. The Senate had a final voting share of 65%, Republicans 35%. Only 51 votes were needed for passage in the Senate with 65 seated Democrats. In the House, Democrats had a 59% voting share to the Republicans 41. 82% of Republicans voted for passage of the joint Senate House bill. 69% of Democrats voted for the passage. Well, then Dirksen became a tireless supporter, suffering bouts of ill health because of his efforts in, on, on behalf of crafting and passing the Civil Rights Act. Nonetheless, Senator Kirksen suffered the same fate as many Republicans and conservatives do today. Even though uh, Dirksen, not Kirkson, Dirksen, Dirksen had an exemplary voting record in support of bills furthering the cause of African-Americans, activist groups in Illinois did not support Dirksen for re-election. That's something. 
even though he was known to be supportive of African-American causes. They said, oh, you didn't help us. So blacks, I mean, African-Americans, they didn't trust Dirksen. Now, I'm going to tell you an odd story. It's in this. It's written in here, and I'll tell you who wrote it, and you'll be amazed. African-American groups in Illinois had not supported Dirksen for re-election to the Senate in 1962 and suspected his loyalty to African-Americans during the civil rights debate. African-American organizations knew the importance of Dirksen's vote and intended to force him to support an unchanged H.R. 7152 by demonstrating and picketing his Chicago office. Now, James Farmer, director of CORE, publicly declared that there would be extensive demonstrations in Illinois against the senator personally. Farmer added that people will march en masse to the post offices there to file handwritten letters protesting Dirksen's ambivalent attitude. The protesters had almost directly the opposite of impact. Let me say that again a little more articulately. The protesters had almost directly the opposite effect. Dirksen strongly objected to what he believed were uncalled for tactics by African-American groups. He resented their lack of trust in his judgment and his favorable civil rights record. On February 17, 1964, Dirksen complained on the Senate floor about the harassment and let it be known that such pressure would not affect his judgment. When the day comes that picketing, distress, duress, and coercion can push me from the rock of conviction, that is the day, Dirksen announced, that I shall gather up my togs and walk out of here and say that my usefulness in the Senate has come to an end. Now, story goes on. Richard, Ru Richard Russell, leader of the filibuster forces, thought that Dirksen might desert the civil rights proponents because of the incident. But the minority leader did not forsake the Northern Democrats. Hubert Humphrey made sure, however, that African-American groups did not risk Dirksen's support by similar tactics. They said, hey, you know, oh, don't do that. Don't do that. That didn't work. That backfired on us. Don't do, don't do that. Stop talking. Stop talking. By the way, I'm being corrected. It's only the earth. They only want to have sex with the earth. If a human being is there, that's one thing, but they really are interested in the earth, the E, this new E thing. I don't know, whatever. So the key to the protest that I just mentioned in the conversation about H.R. 7152 involved changing legislation necessary to become law. Now, as the author understands it, CORE knew Dirksen would support the legislation, but tried to intimidating him into supporting exactly as CORE wanted it. Apparently, it had ended there. Had it ended there, there would be no civil rights bill. During the first week in May, Dirksen began talks in his office with Senate Democratic and Republican civil rights advocates and with Justice Department officials to achieve an acceptable package of civil rights legislation. On May 13th, after 52 days of filibuster and five negotiation sessions, Dirksen, Humphrey, and Attorney General Robert Kennedy agreed to propose a clean bill as a substitute for H.R. 7152. Senators Dirksen, Mansfield, Humphrey, and Kutchel would co-sponsor the substitute. This agreement did not mean the end of the filibuster, but it did provide Dirksen with the compromise measures that was crucial, which was crucial, crucial to obtain the support of the swing Republicans. The compromise civil rights bill worked out in Dirksen's office did not seriously weaken the original H.R. 7152. This is all important, see? Gotta hang in there with me. The bargainers were careful to not include any changes that might cause the House to reconsider the entire bill once the Senate had finished its work. The clean bill made somewhat over 70 changes 
in HR 7152, most of them concerning wording and punctuation, most of them designed to win over reluctant Republicans to allow closure. The major change in what was called the Dirksen-Mansfield substitute was to lessen the emphasis overall on federal enforcement in cases of fair employment and public accommodations violations. The substitute gave higher priority to voluntary compliance than the House bill. It encouraged more private rather than official legal initiatives. The compromise also reserved a period of voluntary compliance before the U.S. Attorney General would act in discrimination suits. Now, that's totally different than how it is now. Totally different than how it is now. It's very, very, very different now. now you guys understand how it's different. Well, it's different now because when something happens in the United States, if the president wants to speak on our, our super racist president, Barack Hussein Obama, they want to speak on it before knowing anything, they do. But remember the police thing where the guy is breaking into a house and police come up, they don't know this guy, and turns out it's his own house, but he didn't say that. He didn't say that uh, until later, until, you know, they were freaking out. You folks are so nice to send me such nice messages. Thank you very much. It's very kind of you. Um, you know, but the president speaks about it. And he says, well, the, I don't know anything about this, but I know the police acted stupidly. Come on. So this is the difference. It's the difference. So the Senate passed the bill by 73 to 27 roll call vote. Six Republicans and 21 Democrats held firm and voted against. The, now, did you hear this? This is a civil rights bill. Six Republicans voted against it, but 21 Democrats voted against the passage. In all, the 1964 civil rights debate had lasted a total of 83 days, slightly over 730 hours, and had taken up almost 3,000 pages in the congressional record. This was a big fight, folks. This was really, really big. The history of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 is an example of Senate leadership, none of which we've not seen a glimpse of this since Harry Reid became the Senate Majority Leader. That was in January of 2005. You see, after the civil rights bill was passed, Dirksen was asked why he had done it. What could possibly be in it for him, given the fact that African-Americans in his own state had voted against him? They'd not voted for him, despite all he'd done. Why should he champion a bill that's in their interest? Why should he offer himself as a crusader in this cause? Dirksen's reply speaks well for the man, for Republicans and conservatives like him. I am involved in mankind. Whatever the skin, we are all included in mankind. Then, on July 2nd, 1964, civil rights legislation was signed into law. Now, the NAACP, the National Association for the Advancement of Colored Persons. That was another one. We were, I'm colored. Was that guy colored? I don't know. Man, I'm colored. In the summer, I'm colored more than I am in the winter. But whatevs. I don't know. By the way, no offense, folks, I love y'all, but Ted Cruz, stop believing the stuff about he's a foreign power, he's an agent for foreign power. Stop that. Stop that. People are sending me notes. He's not. Ted Cruz is not an agent for foreign powers. He's a good man. He's a good guy. I've talked to his grade school teachers at length. I've talked to professors in college, his professors at length. I'm telling you, not that guy. Stop. Stop, 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 stop. Please. 
Drink more water. And I say that because uh, Donald Trump, President-elect Donald Trump, is in fact considering Ted Cruz as attorney general. Um, Fox is reporting that, and my buddy uh, Philly Bob is reporting that. So we know that. We also know that there's other discussion about SCOTUS, the Supreme Court. He is not a foreign agent. Please, folks out there in Facebook and Twitter land, please, conservatives, just let that go. Stop it. I've talked to people who've known him his whole life since he was just a little kid. He's not a foreign agent. That's, I understand you're freaking out, but you got to let that go. Let's stop with all these fringe crap that we're involved in and all get on the same page and fight. Conservatives, see, this is why we lose. As soon as we, as soon as we win, we start to lose. Right? As soon as we start to win, we lose. We give up. We quit. We stop. We're like, oh, this seems kind of mean how bad we're kicking everybody's butt. Mm. Right? So we back off. We kick back. We go, what? That's not very nice. We don't want to be mean. They've called us racist. What are we going to do? We got to stop that. But stop all this stupid stuff. This is stupid. Come on. You're a nice person. You're very smart. People are sending me messages on the Facebook talking about, why is that Cruz's use of agent for foreign power? Hillary Clinton was an agent for a foreign power. You want to know who was agent for foreign power? Hillary Rodham Clinton. Hundreds of millions of dollars from people that hate her guts want to blow us up and people that were involved in the bombing of the trade towers and in 9-11 in general, funding it and more. She took hundreds of millions of dollars from them. So you want to talk about agent of foreign power? Let's talk about real people. Let's stop talking about the silliness because it is silly. Let's grow up. Let's stop with the silliness. Seriously. Love y'all, but let's stop that. So here's what the NAACP wrote in a letter to Dirksen. Here's just a part of it. Let me be first to admit that I was in error in estimating your preliminary announcements and moves. But there were certain realities which had to be taken into account in advancing the legislation to a vote. Out of your long experience and your devised approach, which seemed to you to offer a chance for success, the resounding vote of 71 to 29, June 10th, to shut off debate tended mightily to reinforce your judgment and to vindicate your procedure. It is significant that 27 of the 33 Republican senators voted for closure, the first time it has ever been imposed on a civil rights bill debate. The National Association for the Advancement of Colored People sends its thanks to you for your vote for closure and for your final speech before the vote on Wednesday, which cited the war service of millions of American Negro citizens. These have indeed fought and died to preserve or to advance democracy abroad. With the passage of the bill, with or without your amendments intact, the cause of human rights and the commitment of a great democratic government to protect the guarantees embodied in its constitution will have taken a giant step forward. Your leadership of the Republican Party in the Senate at this turning point will become a significant part of history of this century. Well, let me say this about that. Back to me. Let me say this about that. Here's the reality that we're facing here. All right? Here's the reality. This is just real, folks. You, you know, like it or not, like it. 
people don't like people don't like that this is the fact. I mean, my buddy K. Carl, K. Carl Smith, he's been on here before. I took his course on uh, diversity engagement. It's phenomenal. You gotta you gotta go look on my website. Look up K. Carl Smith. I'm telling you, he's awesome. My dear friend Lynn is is uh is chief cheerleader. I mean, you know, come on, and he'll teach he'll teach you real history. This is real history. I, this is racism 101. I mean, this is racism. President Eisenhower appointed prominent blacks to prominent and important jobs. And is now Eisenhower, what was he? Say it with me. Republican. And other administrations followed. E. Frederick Morrow, J. Ernest Wilkins uh, to the Assistant Secretary of Labor, Scobell Richardson as chairman of the U.S. Board of Parole, Charles Mahoney as the first black full delegate to the UN from the United States, Clifton R. Wharton as minister to Romania, and George M. Johnson and J. Ernest Wilkins as members of the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights. These are real jobs, folks. And here's a timeline. Here's a timeline, real quick. 1854, the Republican Party is formed. Again, this is a clash. You'll receive full credit for it. Republican Party is formed to stop the spread of slavery. The Democrat Party is decidedly pro-slavery. I'm going to go back. Let's go back to this just for a second. In 1854, the Republican Party is formed to stop the spread of slavery. That's why we were formed. That's what we be about. March 20th, 1854, opponents of Democrats' pro-slavery policies met in Ripon, Wisconsin, to establish the Republican Party. Let me say it again. I'll say it again for you. I'll say it again slower. Opponents of the Democrats' pro-slavery policies meet in Ripon, Wisconsin, to establish the Republican Party. Stephen Douglas, Democrat Party leader, authored the Kansas-Nebraska Act. May 30th, 1854. This is again in 1854. The Republicans, they wanted to stop the spread of slavery, so that's how they were formed. Democrat Party, very pro-slavery. So May 30th, May 30th, fifth month in 1854, Democrat President Franklin Pierce signs Democrats' Kansas-Nebraska Act expanding slavery into U.S. territories. Opponents unite to form the Republican Party. Yeah, this happened. This is real, folks. June 16, 1854, newspaper editor Horace Greeley calls on opponents of slavery to unite in the Republican Party. July 6, 1854, first state Republican Party uh, officially organized in Jackson, Michigan, to oppose Democrats' pro-slavery pro policies. February 11th, 1856, Republican Montgomery Blair argues before the U.S. Supreme Court on behalf of his client, the slave Dred Scott, later served in Republican President Lincoln's cabinet. You ready? Later served in President Lincoln's cabinet. Dred Scott, black slave. Later served in Republican President's cabinet. You're putting this stuff together. I know this is not Common Core, but this ought to be able to be worked out. February 22nd, 1856, the first national meeting of the Republican Party in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, to coordinate opposition to Democrats' pro-slavery policies. March 27th, 1856, first meeting of the Republican National Committee in Washington, D.C. to oppose Democrats' pro-slavery policies. Ready? Let's keep going. May 2nd. I'm sorry, May 22nd, 1856, for denouncing Democrats' pro-slavery policy, Republican U.S. Senator Charles Sumner, Republican of Massachusetts, is beaten nearly to death on the floor of the Senate by U.S. Representative Preston Brooks, a Democrat from South Carolina. It took him three years to recover. Are you ready for me to repeat that? Are you in it to win it? Do we want to know the truth or don't we? Here's the truth. May 2nd, I'm sorry, May 22nd, I did that twice now. 
irony. 1856, for denouncing Democrats' pro-slavery policy. Republican U.S. Senator, ready? Republican U.S. Senator Charles Sumner, Republican from Massachusetts, is beaten nearly to death on the floor of the Senate by U.S. Representative, Democrat from South Carolina, Preston Brooks. Look all this up. I've took, taken the time to look it all up. You look it up too. I want I want you to know the truth. It took it took the Republican Senator Charles Sumner, Republican from Massachusetts, three years to recover. March sixth. Why did they, Why did he? fight him because he was he was mad he was mad hey republican don't fight my slavery i want slavery because i'm a democrat because we're pro-slavery we're the pro-slavery party republican supreme court justice john mcclain issued strenuous dissent from decision from seven democrats in the infamous dred scott case that african americans had no rights which any white man was bound to respect that's march 6th 1857 now june 26th 18, same year, 1857, former Congressman Abraham Lincoln, now a private citizen, declares Republican position that slavery is cruelly wrong, while Democrats cultivate and excite hatred for blacks. Now, that's the real thing now. This is real history. This is History 101, according to the Ninja Pastor. So we're going to tell it true. We're not going to We're not gonna make crap up. We're not going to say what makes us feel good. We're going to do what's real. Okay. October 13, 1958, during the Lincoln-Douglas debates, U.S. Senator Stephen Douglas, Democrat from Illinois, states, I do not regard the Negro as my equal and positively deny that he is my brother or any kin to me whatsoever. Douglas became the Democrat Party's 1860 presidential nominee. October 25, 1858, U.S. Senator William Seward, Republican from New York, describes the Democrat Party as inextricably committed to the designs of slaveholders. As President Abraham Lincoln's Secretary of State, he drafted the Emancipation Proclamation. June 4th, 1860. Shocking, right? All of you are probably sitting there going, why, this can't be true. Yeah, it is true. Republicans are the champion of blacks and Democrats are the punishers of blacks. June 6th, 1860. Republican U.S. Senator Charles Sumner delivers his classic address, The Barbarism of Slavery. In 1861, Abraham Lincoln, a Republican, was elected president. Most Democrat Party-controlled states seceded from the Union in protest. You feeling me? What were they protesting about? What were they protesting about? Slavery. April 7, 1862, President Lincoln concludes the treaty with Britain for the suppression of the slave trade. By the way, I'm going to be clear here, Muslims were the first purveyors of slaves, their own people. They are the only people who continually, to this day, to trade slaves, to sell human beings. They're the only people. They're the only ones. Did you catch that? Muslims, only ones still purveying the slave trade today. They were the first Apparently, they're the last. By the way, hundreds of millions of dollars from Muslim countries went into the pocket of the Clintons, just so you know. President Lincoln concludes a treaty with Britain for the suppression of state. This was April 7th, 1862. 
April 16, 1862, President Lincoln signs a bill abolishing slavery in the District of Columbia. It had 83% Republican support, 17% Democrat support. Let me read that again. Uh, April 16th of 1862, President Lincoln signs a bill abolishing slavery in the District of Columbia, which that bill had 83% Republican support, 17% Democrat support. Did you hear me? We all doing the same math here? We all on the same page? U.S. Representative Justin Morrill, Republican for Vermont, he wins passage of the Land-Grant Act, establishing colleges open to African-Americans, including such students as George Washington Carver. July 16th, remember that's a Republican. I'm sorry, July 17th, 1862, over unanimous Democrat opposition, Republican Congress passes Confiscation Act, stating that slaves of the Confederacy shall be forever free. Now, it's a Republican. I still so far don't hear about racism. See, okay, Donald Trump's the racist. He's the racist party. We're the racist party. Why do we allow them to call us racist? Why do we continue to allow them to call us racist? The entire history tells us that that is not, in fact, the case. In fact, it's a big, flat, big, fat freaking lie. 99% of African slaves went to Muslims during slave times in America. Did you know that? The reason why in colonial times, America had such a hard time getting uh, slaves, African slaves, is because the Muslims were so busy trading them. They couldn't get them here. Look, I'm not saying that any part of slavery was a good thing. It was wrong. It was reprehensible. I actually, I'm, I'm very against it. But it ain't the people who were constantly being accused of being slave people, pro-slavery. It wasn't the Republicans. In fact, it was the opposite. When you allow people to bully you and make you back off, when you allow that, listen, folks, you make a huge mistake. I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not a pink shirt bully, anti-bullying guy. I, I don't believe in it. I don't believe it works. I, I believe it, it does the exact opposite. It's the same thing with people on the left. You know, they're they're screaming and crying for for uh, compromise and unity. Let's come together for compromise and unity. But here's the problem with that. Here's the problem with that. Here's the very real problem. Are you ready for this? Here's the problem with it. The problem with it is this. They don't want unity and they don't want compromise. They want you to slow down. They want you to back off so that you can give them time to regroup and rearm, heal from their wounds so they can come back after you strong. August 25th, 1862, President Abraham Lincoln authorizes the enlistment of African-American soldiers in the United States Army. But what happened right before that? August 19th, 1862, Republican newspaper editor Horace Greeley writes Prayer of 20 Millions calling on President Lincoln to declare emancipation. September 22nd, 1862, Republican President Lincoln issues preliminary emancipation proclamation. January 1st, 1863, the Emancipation, emancipation Proclamation implementing the Republicans' Confiscation Act of 1862 takes effect. The Democrat Party continues to support slavery. Did you hear me? 
January 1st, 1863, the Emancipation Proclamation. Implementing the Republicans, Confiscation Act of 1862 takes effect. The Democrat Party continues to support slavery. February 9th, 1864, Susan B. Anthony and Elizabeth Cady Stanton deliver over 100,000 signatures to the United States Senate supporting Republicans' plans for constitutional amendment to ban slavery. June 15, 1864, Republican Congress votes equal pay for African-American troops serving in the United States Army during Civil War. You hearing all this Republican stuff? Who are they fighting? They're fighting the Democrats. June 28, 1864, Republican majority in Congress repeals Fugitive Slave Acts. October 29, 1864, African-American abolitionist Sojourner Truth says of President Lincoln, I never was treated by anyone with more kindness and cordiality than were shown to me by that great and good man. January 31st, 1865, here come some more numbers. Hang on to your hats, ladies and gentlemen. We're apparently the party of slavery, except history and facts do not bear it out. 13th Amendment banning slavery passed by the U.S. House with unanimous Republican support and intense Democrat opposition. In fact, 100% of the Republicans supported and only 23% of the Democrat Party supported banning slavery. March 3rd, 1865, Republican Congress establishes Freedmen's Bureau to provide health care, education, and technical assistance to emancipated slaves. April 8th, 1865, 13th Amendment banning slavery passed by the United States Senate. United States Senate, 100% Republican support. 37% Democrat support. <laughs> June 19th, 1865, U.S. troops land in Galveston, Texas to enforce a ban on slavery that had been declared more than two years before by the Emancipation Proclamation. Republicans in November 22nd, 1865, denounced Democrat legislature of Mississippi for enacting black codes which institutionalized racial discrimination. In 1866, the Republican Party passes the Civil Rights Act of 1866 to protect the rights of newly freed slaves. Are you listening to me, America? America, when they claim that Donald Trump is a racist, even though in 30 years of public life, he's never been called that until he ran against the Democrat, who is in fact a racist? Hillary Clinton's favorite person, uh, really, the fact that she followed her on the trail, campaign trail, was always with her, is the head of the Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood was founded by Margaret Sanger. Margaret Sanger said, the reason I invented Planned Parenthood is to kill blacks, Negroes. She hated black people, everything about them. Hillary Clinton, that was her hero. That was her hero, folks. December 6, 1865, the Republican Party's 13th Amendment. Banning slavery, that's ratified, 100%. In 1865, the KKK launched, you know, their first thing, and they launched as, you ready? You want to hear this? You don't want to miss this. In 1865, the KKK, the Ku, not the Clue, the Ku Klux Klan, launches as the terrorist arm of the Democrat Party. Are you hearing me? This is real history. We see, we let people run around and call us, uh, racist. They let them run around. Uh, Republicans are racist. They don't care about us. They don't care about us. June 
Look, she got my buddy Philly Bob reminds me. She got she got the Margaret Sanger Award. Hillary Clinton got this. This wasn't an award from a from for, for a Republican. This was a reward from a horrible human being to a horrible human being. This is reality. February 5th, 1866, U.S. Uh, Representative Thaddeus Stevens, a Republican from Pennsylvania, induces, introduces legislation successfully opposed by Democrat President Andrew Johnson to implement 40 acres and a mule relief by distributing land to former slaves. April 9th, 1866, Republican Congress overrides Democrat President Johnson's veto. The Civil Rights Act of 1866, conferring rights of citizenship on African Americans, becomes law. Let me read that again. On April 9th, 1866, Republican Congress overrides Democrat President Johnson's veto. The Civil Rights Act of 1866 came into being because of Republicans against the will of the Democrat president and the Democrats in Congress. Just 10 days later in 1866, April 19th, thousands assembled in Washington, D.C. to celebrate the Republican Party's abolition of slavery. Are you hearing me? America, are you hearing me? The next time that, that some leftist punk who doesn't know the first thing, some safe hashtag safe space sissy starts screaming that Trump is everything that's wrong with America and that we're not going to go backwards in time, rattle this off to them if they'll listen. They won't. They, won't, they don't want to know history. They don't want to know truth. So why do we compromise with them? Why do we negotiate with them? Why do we why do we do these things? This is absolutely asinine. On what areas of compromise do we have? Now the list is long. I'm not going to read it all. It goes all the way up, you know, until now. I could spend two more hours on this list. It's 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 an exhaustive list. Nineteen fifty-seven, seven uh, September 9th, nineteen fifty-seven, Republican President Dwight Eisenhower passed the first civil rights law in eighty-two years. CRA nineteen fifty-seven. The Democrat Party filibuster, the bill. Democrat Party support fifty-four percent. Republican Party support ninety-two percent. You guys understand this. Do you understand that President Dwight Eisenhower met with Martin Luther King in 1958 and other African-American leaders to discuss plans, how are we going to advance civil rights? Do you understand that in, in September 24th of 1957, uh, Senators John Kennedy and Lyndon Johnson expressed extreme concern that Dwight Eisenhower, a Republican, would deploy the 82nd Airborne to Little Rock, Arkansas, to force the Democrat governor, Orville Fabus, to integrate public schools. Don't listen to it, folks. Don't listen to it. 
Then Dwight Eisenhower, Republican, signs the Republicans' Civil Rights Act of 1960, May 6, 1960, overcoming a 125-hour, around-the-clock filibuster by 18 Senate Democrats. The Democrat Party filibuster the bill, 125 hours, fighting the Republican Civil Rights Act of 1960. The bill ended up passing 93% Republican Party support, 68% Democrat Party. You see, stop allowing them, stop allowing them to constantly be telling you that you're the racist, that you're with the racist party. You're not. You need to, you need to stop believing all this. You need to stop believing it when they tell you that this is true, that this is what it's all about. No, you got to stop believing. You got to stand up and say, no, I've got a history lesson. The ninja pastor gave me a history lesson. It was free of charge. Racism 101. I'll let him call you that. We're not going to, we are not going to uh, in any way, shape or form, We're not going to now. We're not backing down. We're not negotiating with you. We are the we are the party of inclusion. I'm going to read you a quote from Democrat, former Klansman and former United States Senator Robert Byrd, Democrat man is referred to as by many Democrats as the conscience of the Senate. This is a letter he wrote in 1946 after he quit the KKK. I am a former Klagel, that means a high priest guy, of the Ku Klux Klan in Raleigh County and the adjoining counties of the state. The Klan is needed today as never before, and I am anxious to see its rebirth here in West Virginia. It is necessary that the order be promoted immediately and in every state of the union. Will you please inform me as to the possibilities of rebuilding the Klan in the realm of Western West Virginia? I hope that you will find it convenient to answer my letter in regards to future possibilities. Guys looking for an opportunity. He was Hillary Clinton's hero. Look, folks, you know, I could go on. I mean, it's just good. I, I, I could just go on and on and on. I have I have literally a hundred other entrants. You know, this is this is just a fact. There's a video uh, called Stolen History. Really good. Really, really good. Here's some facts from that. Stolen History. It's a video. If you Google it, it'll pop right up. Since black leadership joined the progressive Democrat Party and chose power over principle, here's what's happened. Black out of wedlock birth rate has grown to 70%. It's actually above that now. Breaking apart the black family unit. Black male incarceration rate exceeds black male college enrollment. Black youth unemployment is at or above 50%. Black unemployment in total is at 20% or above. More Americans today, including black Americans, are dependent on a new master, the government. Why? Due to progressive Democrat policies. It is a dependence that our former brethren, the slaves, fought against. The history of civil rights support Republican Party supported it. 
94% Democrat Party, 35%. For 100 years, the Democrat Party did not want civil rights to pass. They didn't want it. But they want to make you think they did. 3,500 to 4,000 abortions occur in America every day. 40% to 80% of those babies on a given day are black babies. 82% in Wilmington, Delaware, never make it out of the womb. 82% of all abortions in Wilmington, Delaware, never make it out of the womb. The KKK killed 4,000 people in all. The abortion lobby kills over half a million to three quarters of a million black babies every year, and they are supported by the Democrat Party. The Democrat Party has never apologized for slavery segregation. They've never apologized for the destruction of the black family. And now they threaten to transform the entire nation. Look, you need to understand that Barack Hussein Obama and Hillary Clinton, they are the Democrat Party. And our country will never heal if our leaders continue to ignore the truth. You know, Martin Luther King was a Republican. You understand that, right? Martin Luther King was a Republican. Now, we keep hearing, as I close this out, about uh, compromise. When two hours goes fast. Not to you, right? To me, it goes fast. But to you guys, you're like, oof. God, thank God he's in it. What if I told you, actually, everything you hate about Trump actually only applies to Hillary Clinton? Right? What if, what if that's the case? What if that's the case? Well, we hear that Trump is a racist. Hillary Clinton supports private for-profit prisons and the Trans-Pacific Partnership, which both negatively and disproportionately impact Hispanic and African-Americans. Panders for minority of votes by reinforcing a racial stereotype such as her black voice. Refers to young African-Americans as super predators that need to be brought to heel. Hillary Clinton, the G-D-N-I-G-G-E-Rs, and she was endorsed by the Grand Dragon of the KKK. See, they don't talk about that in the press. How about Trump? Donald Trump has always been in the public eye and has never been accused of racism before running against the Democrat. Donald Trump fought to include Jews and blacks at Palm Beach Golf Course in the 1990s. Trump worked with Reverend Jesse Jackson to bring blacks and minorities into corporate America. Donald Trump has the highest support from minorities for a Republican candidate in decades. Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders oppose the racist Trans-Pacific Partnership. You say Trump hates immigrants, really? Hillary colluded with the DNC, the Democrat National Convention Committee, who refers to Hispanics as taco bowls, the loyal sheep and loyal sheep who will mindlessly vote for her and other Democrats. Husband Bill Clinton extradited six-year-old Cuban-American Elian Gonzalez. You guys, most of you don't remember that. Wants to bring in 550% more refugees without any means of protecting them or providing for them solely to collect their votes in 2020. This is the only reason. Donald Trump, alongside Rosa Parks and Muhammad Ali, Donald Trump was awarded the prestigious Ellis Island Medal of Honor in 1986. Donald Trump's wife, Melania, is in fact an immigrant. Donald Trump wants undocumented workers to leave and come back legally so they can vote, pay taxes, and receive benefits if needed. He wants to rescue Syrian refugees after a proper vetting process is in place to protect the peaceful immigrant families from known criminals. 
You see, we hear all about Trump disrespects, disrespects women. These are areas of compromise. Am I, how am I supposed to compromise on this? Because as a lawyer, Hillary Clinton helped a rapist, a child rapist, and pedophile. She knew he was guilty, and she helped him escape justice. Then she laughed about it in an interview. She's in a sham marriage to the most well-known chauvinist in American political history. She represents a horrible example for young girls that they can only be successful by being married to a rich and powerful man. And she receives a plurality of her donations from royalty of countries where women are impressed. How about Trump? He hired the first woman ever to supervise construction of a, of a skyscraper, Trump Tower. He raised a beautiful daughter who is a successful entrepreneur and activist for equal pay. In Trump's book, he acknowledges women in top positions at his many successful companies are his best people. He hires women because they're the best. He says, look, if they're the best candidate for the job, I hire them. I don't fill quotas. We're hearing all about how he's bad for LGBTQ, Earth, whatever the Earth thing is. I don't know what that is. Somebody needs to tell me what that is, what the letter is. But they're saying he's homophobic. Do you understand that Hillary Clinton was a leading opponent of gay rights until it was politically convenient in 2013 to pretend like she was always pro-LGBT? She supported the anti-LGBT Omar Mateen of the uh, Orlando shooting fame. The countries that support the Clinton Foundation and Clinton Global Initiative, all and the, all these super PACs, they all come from countries where people, gay people, are thrown off roofs and hung. Yet Donald Trump, pro-LGBT forever. He's got nothing to gain. In his convention speech, he drew unprecedented applause from conservative crowd for promising to protect our LGBT Americans. He's endorsed, I mentioned him before, uh, Peter Thiel, openly gay PayPal CEO. It's just crazy. They call Trump anti-Semitic. Meanwhile, half his family are, are Jewish. Practicing Jews, by the way. Hillary colluded with the DNC against Bernie Sanders on the basis of his Jewish faith. At Hillary's nomination, shirts were sold with a Nazi-esque character, character of Bernie Sanders as a rat. Hillary Clinton has said many times, effing kikes. And she accepts a plurality of her money from people who want to obliterate Israel. Did you see any American flags at Hillary's DNC convention? Did you see any at all? You saw Palestinian flags, but you didn't see any American flags. But Donald Trump, he's been alive almost 70 years. Literally no evidence exists to support any anti-Semitism. He supported unwavering Israel as our greatest friend and ally. His daughter and son-in-law and grandchild, they're Jewish. He's universally loved by Jews in Israel. Okay, so we hear this, uh, Trump uh, is a Russian sympathizer. We're going to compromise on this? Princeton NYU Professor Emeritus of Russian Studies, Dr. Stephen Cohen, calls out Hillary's anti-Trump propaganda as neo-McCarthyism. According to the New York Times, cash flowed to Clinton Foundation amid Secretary of State Clinton's Hillary Clinton's deal that gave Russia access to 20% of America's uranium, the active ingredient in nuclear weapons. 
Dr. Stephen Cohen praised Trump for wanting to end the new apparent Cold War with Russia as a peacemaker rather than a war hawk. Putin having a favorable opinion of Trump leads to the possibility of peaceful negotiations instead of the empty threats of violence from the president. How about Trump has no experience? Hillary Clinton, in the same way you wouldn't let Jerry Sandusky, you know, he's the guy that uh, was was uh, sexually molesting all those kids at Penn State. You, the same way you wouldn't have let uh, Jerry Sandusky coach a kid in youth football, you're not going to let Hillary lead the United States. She supported NAFTA. She voted for the Iraq War. She deleted 33-plus thousand government documents. She allowed four heroes to die. She's bought and paid for by Wall Street. Bought and paid for by billionaires. In Philadelphia, Bernie Sanders said she's not qualified to be president. Yet, Trump has decades of experience. Incredibly successful entrepreneur and businessman. Over 500 successful businesses and an unmatched vision for greatness. Lacks in political experience will be refreshing change to the do-nothing establishment. Trump's a liar? They say he's a liar? Gotta be kidding me. Hillary Clinton, she, she lies about everything. Everything. She constantly and consistently lies. She never stops. Trump has put the facts in front of us. Now the left is soundly and rarely defeated, just like the Muslims. They want to call timeout. They want to nurse their wounds. They want to back us up. They want to slow us down and appeal to our softer side and take it easy on They Oh, please take it easy on me. Well, do they want compromise or do they want the elusive unity? The nation is deep. What does that even mean? No, we're not going to compromise. I have a whole list of things here. I had about four hours worth of material and I only have a two-hour show, so I apologize for that. Folks, thank you for listening. Please share this. Share this on social media. If you don't mind, share it. Uh, share it from uh, my Facebook site. It'll be up here in just a second over on Listen. Share it there. Uh, come back and see us on Sunday. Go over to ninjapastor.com and listen to some of the um, – they're all free. They're all free. They don't cost you anything. Thank you for joining me. God bless America. Join us next time for The Collision of Faith and Politics. And please follow this show at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash The Ninja Pastor. And follow Dr. Sean on Twitter at The Ninja Pastor and on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash God in Country Radio and at www.drseangreener.com In the meantime, Dr. Sean will be fighting for you and for this great country. Thank you for joining in this fight. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere 
and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.